Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings for today are from the first Sunday of Lent. A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, this serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees of the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it and even touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it, and she gave also some of it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me for my guilt, and of my sin, cleanse me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. For I acknowledge my offense, and my sin is before me always. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Give me back the joy of your salvation and a willing spirit sustain in me. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, through one man sin entered the world, and through sin death, and thus death came to all men inasmuch as all sinned. For if by the transgression of the one death came to reign through that one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of justification come to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? In conclusion, just as through one transgression condemnation came upon all, so through one righteous act acquittal and life came to all. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous." the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city 
and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and with their hands they will support you lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to him, all these I shall give you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, get away, Satan. It is written, the Lord your God shall you worship and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As I've made quite clear, I was glued to the screen for Super Bowl 57. Not that my devotion resulted in a win for my beloved Eagles, however. For many, though, the Super Bowl is less about what happens during the game than what happens while the game cock is paused. Of course, I'm talking about the commercials and the halftime show. I had little interest in this year's mid-game spectacle. Frankly, I couldn't name a song Rihanna sings. But apparently, the Barbadian-born pop and R&B singer's decision to perform was quite a big deal for those who care about such things. After producing a heavy volume of hits from uh, the years 2005 to 2016, she's been notably, notably less prolific over the past several years, with lots of speculation as to when or if she'll release new music and or go on tour. What's curious is that several online reviews suggest that Rihanna is not, is not really known as a great singer or dancer, but rather for her presence or style. I didn't really notice much of that, though, in my glancing attention at her halftime show. Instead, a few things caught my eye. First, her expression, an alienated between angry, defiant, and what one viewer called a stink face. You know that face you make when something smells really bad? Second, the second thing I noticed was that she mimicked um, what has, for whatever reason, become a common, uh, quote-unquote, dance move in the last couple of decades, the crotch grab, which is always kind of disgusting to me. And then finally, she wore all red, which I probably wouldn't have noticed, except that just a week before, two performers in the Grammy, on the Grammy Award show performed a song titled Unholy on a set clearly portraying a lust-obsessed satanic scene, complete with red costumes and lighting, whips, fire, and cages. It seems Satan is quite popular these days, but truly he's been around almost forever, all the way back to the beginning of time. The Bible, you know, it started out so nice, didn't it? God creates an amazing universe from nothing. He's so impressed, in fact, with his good work that he even takes a day off. The first recorded day in history when mail was not delivered. Animals, birds, sea creatures, plants, human beings, they all get along amazingly well. But then it all falls apart when uh, Adam and Eve can't seem to stay in their lane. They were asked to avoid one tree. How hard can that be? Although we don't we all have that one vice that we can't seem to avoid? So watch it. Don't be so quick to judge. Although I'm going to jump to Adam and Eve's defense just a little bit here. They weren't the first creatures to disobey God. Satan upset the apple cart first, apparently out of jealousy that the human race was the pinnacle of all creation, made in God's image and likeness. And so he took that as a personal insult, and he felt like he got cheated. And so he set out to ruin it for us human beings, too. And Adam and Eve took the bait. The original sin was actually Satan's, but he was kind enough to share it with us. The result? Paradise lost. It's hard not to resent original sin, though, isn't it? 
How come all of us have to pay for something that happened before we were even conceived? Even newborns have it, and they've done nothing to deserve it. And yet, I can kind of understand it. Back to our friend Rihanna. Why is she making that stink face like she really means it? Why did she have albums titled Good Girl Gone Bad, Rated R, and Anti, with singles like Unfaithful, SOS, Hate That I Love You, and Disturbia? Maybe it has something to do with her father's alcoholism and crack cocaine addiction when she was young and his physical abuse of her mother and their, her parents' eventual divorce. I'm sure she had a rough childhood. You may also remember that Rihanna's former boyfriend, R&B singer Chris Brown, physically abused her, beat her up. She was arrested, he was arrested for it, as I, as I recall. These experiences undoubtedly have also impacted Rihanna's uh, philanthropic, uh, philanthropic endeavors, many of which are focused on children in need or uh, children who have survived abuse. The truth is that original sin is the reality of fallen human nature. All sin is communal not private, because it never affects just the sinner. And so we pass these wounds down from one generation to another, just like we pass down our own genetic traits or communicable disease. And one of the primary consequences of sin is death, which in a certain way actually shows us the mercy of God, because we were created to be immortal, but who wants to live forever in a world that's so damaged by sin? It would be torture, unless, of course, we're offered a way out, a way back to immortality. And that offer comes in a way we never could have foreseen. God, the author of all creation, becomes a part of what he creates in the mystery of the incarnation. And he goes out to the desert, luring Satan to follow him as the great high priest, as intercessor and mediator on our behalf. It's that same Satan that Adam and Eve met in the garden. The gospel writer doesn't tell us he took the form of a serpent, and there's no mention of horns, a red suit, or a pitchfork, but it's the same guy. How do we know? By what he says. The three temptations. If you are the Son of God, I command that these stones become loaves of bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And then the third temptation, all these, meaning all the kingdoms of the world, all these I shall give you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. Now, maybe those aren't the exact same words he spoke to Eve, but their meaning is the same. Satan challenged Adam and Eve by suggesting that if, or if they were really God's children, God wouldn't keep anything from them, not the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil either. If God really loves them, he would give them all his power. And doesn't Satan tempt Jesus with the same? He can have all the food he wants if he's truly God's son. He can command the angels if he's truly God's son. He can have power over all the kingdoms of the world if, if, if he listens to Satan. Satan tempts us to grab at power and control, to take charge of our lives by taking what we want rather than being dependent on anyone else, even God. When we're afraid, when we doubt, when we become anxious, when we've been hurt and worry it's going to happen to us again, we get angry and defiant and we display a semi-permanent stink face. Why? Because we believe a lie. The greatest lie ever told. And the lie is this. God doesn't really love you. 
He won't protect you. You're not really his child. You deserve all the bad that's happened to you because you allowed it to happen. And in the end, you're going to die anyway, because what proof is there that anything exists beyond the grave? So go ahead, throw yourself down from the temple spire. You won't, will you? Because you really don't believe any of it. And no wonder. Is it any surprise then that the first fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is Adam and Eve realize that they are naked? They were naked before, but it wasn't a problem. They didn't notice it. Now they feel exposed and unprotected. Now they see themselves as something to be ashamed of, something damaged, something less than. Certainly not children of God, but creatures who have to fight every moment to survive. And so Jesus re-engineers our DNA. He casts off our disease. He says to Satan, I don't need to change the stones to bread because my father will feed me. I don't need to order miracles on demand because my father has a plan. And that's the only one I'll follow. And if I fall, if I fail doing that, his angels will catch me. I don't need worldly recognition, worldly power, because I'm the heir to an everlasting kingdom. They will even strip me naked, and I will have no cause for shame. Jesus changes the conversation. As St. Paul says, For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Born once into sin, we are born again into redemption, cleansed by living water, invited to share in the very flesh and blood of our Savior. Satan has no power over us as long as we remember that even the greatest lie ever told is still a lie. And our accuser, while the world's greatest liar, is still a liar. And so even in the desert moments, desert days, and desert years of our lives, naked as we are, we can be confident and unafraid without being angry or defiant and without the need to prove anything to anyone. God knew what he was doing when he retained all power for himself because it's too great a burden for us to carry. Power, knowledge, wealth. Chasing after those things to survive is a hellish trap. Instead, as Jesus said in the home of his friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things, there is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The better part that Mary chose, of course, was conversation with God. He is the one thing necessary for peace and for eternal life. Because the truth is that you are infinitely loved. So live like you know it. And no stink face. May Almighty God bless you, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day and say a prayer for me.